Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Welcome to the good news. We have therapist Lisa here and Pastor Moreland filling in for two of my regulars who are traveling. Hello. Good morning. I didn't know we were fill-ins. I know. Tuesday's (laughs) your day. (laughs) Tuesday's your day, isn't it? It is. Feel like leftovers? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Morning. Good evening. Did I say morning? Oh, my. Oh, you did. I did. What is I it? I don't know what we did. Jorge's, like, monitoring us. Oh. He's like, look at him over Is it afternoon? <laughs> He's the principal. Oh, I don't know. He's the principal of the okay. good news. Sorry. All right. So I uh, I came across. Well, can I do some good news with you guys? Please do. Cool? Yes. Okay. Chicago. As you know, Chicago can be a rough area. And uh, Fred Richardson uh, was raised um, in a low-income area on Chicago's south side. And uh, he's in his 50s now. And for the past 25 years, he's been giving back, making house calls to some of the city's most dangerous neighborhoods where no doctor is making a house call. It's too dangerous. I mean, uh, you know, people are shot and killed on the same streets that the next day he'll be, you know, there uh, tending to one of his patients. And so, uh, Pastor Merlin, I I thought this story would be nice to share because you've been talking at church lately about, you know, giving isn't just money. We talk about what? Love. Absolutely. First and foremost, love. And what have you been t- telling us? Um, well, in, in this series, we've been talking about I am who God says I am. Um, but hopefully, and, and my goal is the, the culture of our church is one of love. For me, and I believe, and I believe the scripture teaches this, we really don't earn the right to lead people unless they first know that we love them. And so what I try to tell people is just love people where you are. Just just start serving people right where you are and watch what God does to their heart. If you want the privilege of leading someone to Jesus, just start loving them right where you are. Love it. All right. And you said, you're so funny. I remember once you were preaching, you said, if, you, if you're you know, here in church this morning, you're sitting there and you're thinking, I'm, not a, I'm just not a people person. I just don't like to socialize with them. I'm just not a people person. Well, then if you're a Christian, you need to be a people person. I love your impersonations of me, Angie. Loving people. Loving people. That's what Jesus said to do. So he was a people person. Why can't you be a people person? Doesn't of, sound quite no. like that. No, but. no. And I love it when you start jumping up and down. You're like, oh, yeah, like I'm, 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 I'm on it today. I'm on point. I got it. <laughs> All right. So uh, this doctor, uh, again, Fred Richardson, let's talk about loving people. Take a listen to his story. Fred Richardson is a brave man with a big heart. He grew up on Chicago's toughest streets, became a doctor, but returned to his old neighborhood. He's got a little bit of a limp. Craig Ramid came to see him the other day. He'd been shot in an alley behind his mother-in-law's house. I thought I wasn't going to make it. Dr. Richardson knows exactly where the shooting took place. He makes house calls there. It's not nearly as red as it was. His visits have kept Louise Cannon out of a nursing home for 21 years. Thank you. Oh, you be good, okay? Thank you. All right. Dr. Richardson's wife, Julie, grew up just across the alley from the Cannons and knows violence firsthand. Her brother, John, was killed in front of his three-year-old daughter. Right, we're going right again, Julie? Right again. Julie guides Dr. Richardson down dark streets to all of his house calls. Do you ever get scared? No, never. Because neighbors have kept them safe. They knew that we were going to come back later and take care of them. Night after night for a quarter of a century. 
He works six days a week. He's on call 24 hours a day, and he tutors um, minority medical students for free three nights a week. Wow. That's awesome. Apparently, he feels a calling. He's got a passion for something there. Well, and it's great that, I mean, he's going into people's homes that probably wouldn't go out and get medical care. So he's prolonging their life by doing that, you know. Well, and what does everyone want when at the end of their life, don't they want to be at home? He's kept that woman in her home like sure. 20 some odd years ago. They were suggesting she go to assisted care, assisted living, and she's still at home. So let's hear a little more about uh, Dr. Fred. And by the way, when they talk about Julie guiding him, uh, she's his navigator. So, you know, she's got like navigation and tells him where to go as they drive through the streets and try to find all these homes for the house calls. Here we go. I feel like I should look out the window and see your horse and buggy. <laughs> How come you do it? These old guys, can't, they can't get out. Until they trip or fall and end up in the emergency room. Medicare will pay for a home visit, actually will reimburse better than an office visit. Really? Yeah, they do. How come more doctors don't do this? It's not efficient. How do you even do anything with your hands? Some of these elderly patients have seen a lot of specialists. What's so special about their family doctor? Not only cute, but he's smart. (laughs) (laughs) Julie and Fred even make house calls on days so frigid you can spit and watch it bounce. Oh, that's cold. Very I'm just cold. visualizing that. <laughs> that I'm like, burr. Okay, so as you can imagine, uh, you know, when your parents like that, you know, your kids are touched by what you do. And so there's a daughter who's involved who's also uh, planning to take over her, her dad's, uh, you know, uh, practice. And then he doesn't just tutor minority medical students. He helps pay for, uh, you know, their education. And he said that when he was the only African-American in his medical school class, that people one, told him, I was told many times, your grades aren't high enough to do this. And he said, but I did it. You know, he did it. Here's the rest. Three nights a week, after all those house calls, Doc teaches minority medical students who are struggling. I want you to break it down to dad over there in a language he understands. He accepts no pay. Every one of those faces you see yourself. I do. Every one of them. Dr. Richardson was the only black face in his medical school class. I was told many times you can't do this. Your scores aren't high enough to do this. But I did it. And so far, he's helped 50 students become successful doctors, too, including this one, his daughter, Jessica. I think I was supposed to be a doctor since I was, like, four. (laughs) Wash Wesley vowed to keep living until she was old enough to take over her dad's practice. Can you hear better? Yeah, I hear better. He just turned 112. Good seeing you again, Mr. Wesley. The one patient who did not need a house call. The 112-year-old is the one that came in on his own. So what do you think of that? That's amazing, huh? I'm not sure I want to live to be 112. Why? He's he's moving. Yeah, that's just me. I want to go see Jesus sooner than that. (laughs) I mean, they don't talk about faith because it's a major market, you know, news story. But, you know, I get the impression that faith is probably part of the reason he serves like this. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Awesome. If you can hear me, Doc, great job. Kudos to you. Good job, doctor. You know, and talk about being a male role model, probably going into some homes that, you know, maybe some of those people even looked up to him and wanted to become a doctor like him and stuff, you know, gave them some hope in a hopeless situation. So that's pretty awesome. 
absolutely. Uh, another story uh, that I think is just, I don't know, I, I, I like taking, um, like here locally, there's an organization, um, Bessie's Hope, and I, I like taking two groups that need love and bringing them together. And Bessie's Hope takes seniors who are in um, assisted living and then uh, at-risk youth and bring them together. And it's a really beautiful thing. And then this story that I came across also takes two groups that need love, dogs who would be otherwise euthanized and uh, prisoners who, you know, are restricted and, you know, trying to maybe find their way. And if the recidivism rate is so high, why not find some ways for these guys to um, feel and give love and find maybe a way to cope or have a career when they get out? And uh, my producer called this jail dogs, but I would call it second chances. Take a listen. There's a famous quote that says, until one has um, had a relationship with an animal, part of one's soul remains unawakened. This is an abandoned property, and I come and check on this poor little dog. You gonna let me pet you, huh? The dogs have no companionship at all. They're just being left. A lot of the dogs we take on are strays. Stray dogs more than likely end up euthanized. We have a prison system with thousands at minimum security facilities, which can become foster homes in a sense for all those dogs that these animal rescues don't have space for. I think a dog would become a lifeline, sort of the oxygen for these guys. They came from a pretty bad life. It doesn't seem that hard to find a connection, you know, because they haven't been showing love in a while. Especially this one was found in a dumpster. I don't know who could throw you in a dumpster. Bringing a dog into prison, it's like a taste of freedom. I came around when I was 19. I'll be 33 Tuesday. My kids are teenagers, though, so I missed a lot. Even though they've committed a crime, there are some very decent inmates out there. That's a good point. Even though they've committed a crime, there are some decent inmates out there, and a lot, you know, attempting to turn their lives around, you know, and that, um, you know, you can just tell the love mm -hmm. that they have with these dogs. There's a little moral light. It should be prison dogs, not jail. Perfect. I'm actually a recovering drug addict. Going back to drugs, it's not an option for me, period. This training, I think it's tremendously beneficial to the prisoners. Yes, you're beautiful! All of them need a friend. And when you're in here, people forget about you. I'm sure that a lot of these guys feel the same way, that people forget about them, you know? It's just unconditional love. And the inmates need that, and the dogs need that. Just be patient, be calm, be confident. The dogs are going to get the confidence they need from you. Yeah, I didn't have more patience when I came in. By having these dogs, they're teaching us patience. But just gotta make them feel safe. I think that's the biggest issue with these dogs is they have a lot of trust issues. I just wanted to realize that, you know, the bad part of her life's over now. There's a lot of macho testosterone floating around in jails. This is what I've seen in my prisoners, for softening people. They don't leave the same way. He trusted me. I used to tell that dog everything. If I had a problem, talk to him, he'd give me that look. It's all right. We feed off each other. You gotta love yourself first before you can love anybody else. The very first dog that I had, he's gone through so much and has changed drastically. And I know seeing that, nothing's impossible. Nothing is impossible. And that particular inmate right there, covered in tattoos, really tough. And I saw another interview with him and another story. And he's talking about being abandoned as a kid and broken and abused, and he's just crying. And so, you know, he's bonded with this animal, and it's made such a difference for him. I just thought it was really uh, a, a neat story. I, I love it when people think outside of the box. I think so many times we're trapped in this way of thinking um, that's just, uh, you know, and I think back to my, you know, TV news career when I wanted to anchor, and they're like, well, you're a weather woman. And I'm like, and I always would say, well, I can read. 
you know, and I'm, <laughs> and, and I'm bright, like I can figure out how to do this. Uh, and I had so many other things which would have made me capable of, you know, doing it, field producing, et cetera, uh, over the years. But they're like, well, you, but you're a weather woman, mm. you know, and Dr. D talks about with his radio show, but he's a dentist. And people are like, well, you're a dentist. How can you have a radio show? Well, I passed him and you were in the military, still are, uh, and you're a pastor and you're a police officer. You know, it's mm. like, I don't know why we can't think out of the box. And uh, Freedom Dogs is a local organization that rescues dogs and then they give them to vets. And I believe some of these, well, the vets have said some of these dogs have actually saved their lives and kept them from taking their lives because of the relationship that they develop. Well, in therapy, therapy dogs are huge in um, with people dealing with trauma or behavioral issues. So this makes sense. I mean, one of the, the men um, in prison said it, you know, these dogs have been abandoned and that's how a lot of times they've felt. I mean, unwanted dogs, and if you think about inmates feeling unwanted, not loved, not worthy, and all that, so it really makes sense to bring the two together and to nourish both of them. And so it's quite therapeutic, actually, to see that and to see how probably as the animal grows and and they have to learn trust and attachment and all that, probably the inmate is doing the same thing on the same level. You know, so it's it's quite amazing, you know, and it, and it really makes sense for that. And simple. Definitely, you know. I was a dog handler in the military. Did I ever tell you? Uh, uh-uh. Yeah, no, I was a canine Gosh, you're like a, a trait of many, right? Like well, I, I was a police officer, but I was a canine police officer. Okay. Yeah, it was, uh, it was just a good, it was fun. It was a lot of right. fun. Got it's a, a bond, yeah, you know, it's a loving bond between the is. animal. The stuff those dogs can do is amazing. All right, again, uh, another good news story involving um, a young person. Uh, okay, so th- this one we called Football Mom, and it has to do with, um, you know, some women coming to the aid uh, of a young man who really needed to be mothered. And I just think that I'd like to call all of us to kind of open our eyes to where, you know, there might be, um, you know, a need, uh, for instance. And it might be just something special you can do for someone. It might not be, you know, helping you know, out a teenager or, you know, fostering a kid, it can be something small. Like for instance, uh, my, my nanny, she doesn't come over much anymore, but she helped me raise my kids. And if you're listening right now, Charlene, I'm going to let you know my secret. Um, I don't necessarily need her anymore to come and clean the house a couple times a month. Um, but I bring her over because she she makes pancakes for the kids and makes bacon, and then she goes to school to get them, and they get so excited, and so does she. So a couple times a month, I bring her over just to have that relationship continue because she's been with the kids since they were babies, and they think of her as a grandmother, and they really love her. And when I didn't need her full-time anymore, she cried, and she said it was the best job she ever had because oh, wow. she raised her kids and her grandkids, and she said, and now I have your kids. Oh, wow. And so rather than let that relationship end, you know, I bring her back over, and she's a busy woman. Mm-hmm. So she can't, and and she needs to work. So I can't take her off of work and just say, "Come over and goof off." So I I, I bring her over to clean, yeah. you know, and then and then she gets to see the kids. Don't get me wrong; I don't mind the cleaning either, you know. But um, yeah, because they they love her. So this is about um, a football player and um, a special mom. Jeffrey Holland is no stranger to the end zone, but there's a reason why he points to the sky when he gets there. Uh, my mom actually passed away when I was nine, breast cancer. And Tracy Singletary is the reason why he wears pink on the football field. Before the game, you know, I talk to her. So I just send a message to her that this game is played for her. her I do it for her. Jeffrey's mother's been gone for more than half of his life, but his auntie, Cynthia Holland, is one woman who tries to fill that void. That's, that's him and his mama and his grandma. She would be so proud. 
of him. Yes, she would. And then there's this woman. I call him my, my white mom, Miss Amy. He's like my son. Um, um, I love Jeffrey, and, uh, and I think he's a wonderful kid. Amy Rozoff is a member of Trinity Baptist Church. One of her callings in life is to mentor football players with troubled backgrounds. And the coaches have expressed to me that there were certain boys that, that had a need for a, a mother figure in their life. But she's always on me, helped me with my grades. This past year, he's done homeschool, virtual school. And, um, and I've been his guardian through that and, um, and his support through that, and he's just done amazing. What's funny is white mom Amy, she's like a drill sergeant. <laughs> she's not like a cuddly little, I'll bake you some cookies. She's like, I need to know about your grades. <laughs> you know what I mean? She is tough. Yeah. But, she, but he knows that she loves him. Yeah. Well, he, she's setting boundaries for him and expectations. Yeah. You know, that's, that's true love right there. Yeah, boundaries and expectations. All right, here's a little more on uh, Amy, the aunt, and Jeffrey. Jeffrey constantly tells Miss Amy how much she means to him, but nothing says that more than her being with his family on senior night. I literally cried when he asked me. You know, I, I didn't cry in front of Jeffrey because Jeffrey thinks I'm this, this tough woman. And although Amy's always teaching Jeffrey about the game of life, she's gotten as much out of their relationship as he has. And he's taught me things in life because he comes from a different background than me. So he's been able to teach me, you know, some things about, you know, with his up, where he comes from and why he thinks the way he does about things. And with Miss Amy's guidance, Jeffrey will continue to become the man that his mother always wanted him to be. She always loved Fred Taylor. So, you know, I just like, I want to be a great player one day like Fred Taylor. My hope is that Jeffrey makes the city proud. I think he, I think he will. I think we'll all be watching Jeffrey for years to come. I want to throw something out there. Uh, loving people isn't always convenient. Loving people can be um, inconvenient. Uh, but I still think we're called to do it. And obviously, you know, Amy, it, it takes time. I think it's inconvenient more often than it's convenient. Yeah. Truly loving people. Well, you know, my nephew Levi that we've talked about the other day, um, he said that I was his favorite person in the world. He goes, don't tell my mom. Mm. And don't worry, she's not listening. She doesn't live here. Uh, she, and then he said, um, you know, that he admired me more than anyone in the world. And I've really made sure that he knew I loved him because my brother's not in his life. And uh, I think, wow, that he noticed. He noticed how much I loved him. And I forgot to give you my success story with my mom. So my mom got a little out of hand at the house. And uh, when we just, you said boundaries, Lisa. So she used language we don't use at our house, you know, because she has some anger issues. And she threw a shoe and it bounced off the floor and hit my five-year-old. My husband said she's gone. Wow. We've given her plenty of warnings. She's banned from the house. So I said, Mom, it's out of my hands now. I've talked to you many times about controlling your temper. I love you so much. You're so good with me. But apparently you can't control your temper at the house when I'm not there. Because mm -hmm. uh, it ha happened, of course, while I was gone. So grandma's in timeout for a while, right? We don't tell the kids exactly why grandma's in timeout. But they're kind of aware of what went down. And so um, she's back. And I am not kidding you. She turned over a new leaf. She said, if it's, up, if it's, uh, it, if it's going to be, it's up to me. She hasn't, wow. She's been over numerous occasions. She's not gotten angry. She's not using any bad language. And she just, like, having them taken from her, like, completely changed her mindset. And I don't want to get too excited, but I keep calling her. I'm like, I'm so proud of you. Oh, my goodness, I'm so proud of you. Oh, my goodness, so your temper, you've been controlling it. Like, thank you so much because it takes so much stress off of me because sure. I get along with her great. Yeah. Right? Is my mom. You know, it's other people apparently she can't get along with. <laughs> you know, isn't that crazy? You know what? 
it forced her to do something because not only did you set those boundaries, you followed through with those boundaries. Yeah, and it was a while. It wasn't, you know, I snuck her back in when my husband was out of town and gave her a test run. <laughs> I did. I did. And I called my husband. I'm like, I'm like, Grandma, she actually, fa- she didn't fail the test this time. Huh? Pastor Moreland, uh, your church is wonderful. If people want to come and check uh, out Denver Christian Bible Church, how do they find you? DenverBible.org or 303-223-6133. Therapist Lisa Dunning, you love working with teenagers and kids, uh, you know, all ages. How do people reach you, Therapist Lisa? At Life Support Behavioral Institute, 888-516-5995. Or you can always email me, angieaustinnews at gmail.com. If you have a question about either of these guys, I'll give you the inside scoop. We'll be right back. Love lives here, 810 a.m., KLVZ. Do you need money for your school or maybe you need money for your organization? I have a great idea for you. It's called Buck a Bag. So you get all the parents, let's say, at your school to bring in clothing and shoes. And for every medium-sized bag, your school or organization gets a dollar. thousand bags of clothing and shoes, you get a $1,000. And then all of those bags of goods go to ARC, and all of that money will then in turn help the disabled community. I have Miranda from ARC here. Uh, tell us a little more, Miranda. Yes, it's a wonderful fundraiser. It's very popular among schools, sports organizations churches. It's a great way to earn money for your nonprofit organizations. Excellent. Collect bags and boxes of donations. Give us a call. We'll come pick them up, count them, and then pay you accordingly, a dollar per bag or per box. It's a great way to raise money for your school or not-for-profit organization. Tell us how we do it. Give us your website and instructions, Miranda. You can find our contact information on arcthrift.org. Click on Mission, and then click on Raise Money for Your Cause, and you'll find my contact information there. Excellent. A buck a bag. Denver, this is Pastor John A. Moreland, Senior Pastor of the Denver Christian Bible Church. I'd like to invite you to join us for the radio program of Denver Christian Bible Church on our sister station. That's 1220 on the AM dial. You can find us Monday through Friday from 745 to 815. Again, that's 1220 on your AM dial every morning, Monday through Friday. And if you think we're having a good time on Therapy Tuesdays, wait until you join us as we walk through God's Word. It doesn't get any better than that. Come where the table is spread and the feast of the Lord is going on. God bless you. Monica Hawkins Ministries is an evangelical ministry whose focus is to serve others and to be a voice that shares the word of God and his love. We would like for you and your family to come and fellowship with us during our bi-weekly Bible study. And on the first Saturday of every month, we have our women's ministry, Women of Strength. Our Bible studies are located at the Highlands Ranch East Ridge Recreation Center. For more information, please visit our website, Monica Hawkins Ministries, 810 AM KLVZ, where love lives. Welcome back to the good news. You know, you often hear me talk about Denver Christian Bible Church, and Pastor Moreland joins me once a week on Tuesdays, and I just get such a kick out of him. So a while back, I started going to his church because we'd become friends here at the station, and uh, I met the sweetest lady. Her name was Nancy. And uh, every time I would see her, she'd smile, and it seemed like she had everyone at the church loved her. And then there was another kid, and there was a grandkid, and there was a great-grandkid. And Nancy Strudwick, I was just 
wow, I, when I found out you were a great grandmother, you, you, you look really good. And that's what I said. I said to the woman that was holding the baby, who was apparently your granddaughter, I said, oh my, she's a great grandmother. How on earth did that happen? And I just adore you. And I just think you're such an inspiration. You always made me feel so welcome at the church. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you for the compliment. Well, and then I found out about Flagship Health Center. And you've got your daughter, Angela, here. And uh, Angela Abney is your daughter who helped you with Flagship. So first, I'm going to go bounce over to Angie for a second and tell us, Angie, what is Flagship Help Center? Because I think you guys have a really neat thing going, a real heart for helping others. Yeah, a Flagship Help Center is actually, is exactly that. It's a center where um, anyone can come in to get job search assistance. Um, we've, we help homeless people. Um, we have GED. We help with the GED services. Um, and I'm rambling because I'm nervous, so just bear with me. Oh, you're fine, um, honey. So the GED, you know, that costs money. And the job search, I think a lot of people just get overwhelmed and don't know where to start, especially if they're, you know, not um, a, a young person and they haven't used all the technology that's available now for job searches. A lot of it's online. And so if you've been employed for a long time and you're not, you know, in your 20s, you may be like, whoa, this is overwhelming. The Indeed.com and the monster this and the email, the resume and that, you know, go to this link. That can be overwhelming to people. Yeah, a lot of people don't know. We deal with a lot of ex-offenders and felons and um, unemployed people, people who've been on uh, welfare, well, TANF, most of their lives. And it's TANF. It's welfare. Okay. It's temporary assistance for needy families. Okay. okay. So they changed the name some years ago, but it's, it's welfare. Um, and so we get a lot of people in who don't know how to use the Internet or don't know how to fill out an application. Or don't even don't have Internet. Right. And they, but they don't know how to fill out an application, even if it's on paper. So that's where we come in and we help them fill out the information. Um, I do the, we do the resumes for them and um, we help them with job descriptions to where it's easier for them. So when they have their resume, uh, we have them read over their resume. So when they're not around us, um, they'll know how to fill out the application um, or go online and fill it out where we make it simple for them. So, and, you know, a lot of us, you know, I hear, you know, chatter of, you know, why don't people get off welfare and get a job? And so you guys are actually the um, you're, you're holding people's hands to get them off the streets if they've been in prison to help them work through those loopholes because they get turned away a lot. Yeah. And so you're actually the ones that are helping them get those resumes done, work on their hone their job search skills to actually help them seek, you know, and get employment so we can fix that problem of people you know, really suffering and struggling to get work and they want to work and sometimes they just can't get hired. Yeah, we are the voice for those who um, need to be heard but can't speak for themselves. So we help with people who are on parole. Um, we've helped people who've been raped and molested. I mean, we've dealt with all walks of life. And why is this such a passion for you, Angie? I know your mom's a strong Christian. Why why, why is it such a passion for you to help others? This is a lot of work. Well, long story short, I am a former gang member, a teenage mother. I had my son. I got pregnant with my son when I was 15 years old, and I had him when I was 16. I dropped out of high school. I did get my GED, but I've always been, even then I've always helped, wanted to help people. That's always been my passion. I would never go to class, but I would always make my friends go to class. So it was just something that I've always been a nurturer and always wanted to look out for the people that I cared for. Um, 
But once I started getting, I was in the streets and I saw everything that went on out there and all the things that I was doing, um, I always prayed to God just to give me a chance. You know, if I didn't go to prison or kill somebody or end up dead, that I, I promised him that I would, would give back. And so from the point that I knew I was done with the street life, I started um, giving back to the kids in, in on my block. I lived on High Street for some for a couple of years, and I would have the kids come over and help them with their homework. I started there. I always tried to to start something, um, some type of nonprofit, and I never understood why at the time I wasn't able to. I would do. I had marches, and you know, I did everything to try to just get my name out there you know to let people know that I'm here to help and I never knew why at the time that I couldn't do it and so I started working with other nonprofits and help building their programs and you know all of that but when it was finally time for flagship to come together um, I knew then that back then I wasn't mature enough mentally I was still straddling the fence. So I know that that was not something that um, God knew that I wasn't ready for that to go full-fledged. So when it was time for flagship to start, um, the Office of Economic Development had a contract, and I had already done work with them, and so they knew, you know, what I was capable, the work I was capable of doing. And so... Um, Miss, I had a mentor, uh, Hazel Whitsett, who was with the Northeast Women's Center, and my mom sent her, sent me to her during the time that I was out there, and so we never really lost contact. But um, I, I asked her if she would be a financial sponsor for Flagship, and Flagship actually, the name Flagship came from my son, who was going to start another, a different type of business. But he didn't do it. Your son's old enough now to start a business? My son is 27. Wow. Yeah. But this was when he was 20. Yeah, boy, this is, you've had quite a journey raising him, you know, as a teenager. Now, I want to step back just one um, second. When you say, um, when you were out there, meaning on the streets and in gangs and, you know, doing that lifestyle, um, what turned, even though you, when you were gang banging, you said that you knew you wanted to make a difference and help people. What turned you away from that lifestyle and made you want to start this nonprofit life where you helped others? That really wasn't me. That was something that I had to go through, I guess. That was my mission. I mean, that was part of what my purpose was, to be able to help people. Um, I don't believe in helping someone if you haven't been experienced a little of what they've experienced. So... I, I guess that what I'm saying is flagship wasn't is an organization where people have been there, done that. So someone walks in um, with, you know, life happens. Well, we can help you because we've been there. You know, not our our story might not be the same, and it might not be as bad as yours, but. I understand I can relate. Yeah, you can relate and that they, feel, always, they and they can relate to you. Right. But to answer your question, Angie, I always uh prayed to God out there because I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't like doing it, but I was trying to get away from something and I, still to this day I don't know what it was. But I always prayed 
to God just to, you know, order my steps. And that's what... Boy, you know, Nancy, you've got four kids. And, you know, as Angie's talking about her story, um, what what kind of relief did you have when you saw... Because you work together at Flagship now helping other people uh, who are trying to find employment. And these are difficult to hire people, people that are having a... Not that necessarily they're difficult to hire. They have a difficult time getting hired. And so how did you feel when Angie uh, left that, you know, gang lifestyle I'm sure you were worried, and oh, absolutely, I was worried. I used to. Um, I can remember sleeping at on the floor at my front door because I was so afraid that the police were going to come to my house in the middle of the night to say your daughter's dead or she's in jail or whatever. And it got that bad. She was just that involved in gang activity, and I was that worried. So. Um, Absolutely. When she decided to step away from that, it probably saved my own life. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I lost, you know, I went, I was 88 pounds at when she was at you the height of worried. her activity. Yes. That's, that's a mother's yeah. love. You oh, couldn't absolutely. love yourself because you were pouring everything into worrying about exactly. her. Yeah. And then I became strong one day because mothers do you have to you know you got to bounce back because that's my child and I have to do something instead of just watching her ruin her life and 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 threaten her life I had to do something myself so I had to become strong and I did and And then when this change occurred and she left that lifestyle uh, how was that for you I joined her Uh, we became a team and wow. we started working together. I actually had a nonprofit before flagship myself, which kind of helped me heal. It was called Youth Train, and it was for parents like myself who were in the wow. same situations or similar, because this is in the 80s when the gangs were really active in Denver. And so I started Youth Train, and Angela actually started working with me. And it was uh, the purpose of that program was to help parents take control of their homes and their children again their their kids and the neighborhoods and so I helped organize neighborhoods and and Angela you knew she was praying all that time for you yes I did I did did, yeah I when she started youth train I was still a gang member and they would have marches in front of like dope houses and stuff and the people would comes be like Angie your mom is you know they your mom is out here marching in front of she was that like involved she was marching in front of that dope house for some of your friends and yourself where you you could like look out the window and you see your mom marching by well not not me necessarily but other you know friends of yours or even on the other side um because I was a crip so like on the other side um the bloods that I knew they were like you know your mom is out here but it was they had it was a respect. It wasn't like a threat to them, you know. It was more of a respect thing um, for my mom. It wasn't like they were gonna do something to her. They yeah. were just saying like, you know, what's up with that, you know? But you know, that's my mom. So if that's what she wants to do, that's what she's gonna do. And everyone that knew me knew that that's my mama. So you're not gonna do anything to her. You know, that's just, that's what it was. Let her do what she's going to do. And Nancy, you were never nervous or anything about, you know, marching out there. Um, you know, you're, you're saying no. No, not at all. Absolutely not. You weren't not. scared? Oh, no. You know, again, it's 
when you're a parent, a mother or a father, and that's your child, yeah, and you'll it do anything brings to you save to them. a point. It, yeah, you get beyond that point. There was no fear at all. It, you have to take action. You have to do what you have to do to change the situation, make things right. And it was about her. And then all of the other parents and mothers and fathers that were going through the same thing that I was going through that maybe didn't have the courage yet, hadn't reached that point yet that I had reached. You could so, touch them and give them oh, hope. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So we did. We worked the community. Sounds like it. changes. All right. So then Angie leaves. She comes to work uh, with you at Youth Train. And then Flagship Help Center, uh, you're helping people um, get jobs. And, you know, GED, which, by the way, I've heard is much more difficult now to get your GED because of the math skills that are involved. Uh, And then homeless people, people who've been incarcerated, they're coming in and you're helping them. So who, how can you be helped? What kinds of things do you guys need? Do you need volunteers to help? what What kind of help do you need? At flagship. We need volunteers. We need money. Those two things mainly. Yeah. We really need, because we were getting funding from, um, you know, the city and Mile High United Way. And and I'm not, and I appreciate, we appreciate, you know, everything that was done for us. But at, at a certain point when you have a nonprofit and the passion is to help people and to change lives, sometimes when you get government funding, it, you, you're, you're not able to, to have the program, run the program the way that you want it, that the way that it was designed. So um, Nancy, uh, I st- when I started Flagship, she was still working for the city. Nancy was still, well, my mom was still mm-hmm. working for the city and county of Denver. And um, she retired. When it was time for her to retire, she retired to come and work with me. I'm not the, I was the executive director, but that's not me at all. And I was very uncomfortable in that position. I like working with the people and dealing yeah. with the programs. And yeah, that the hands-on. Yeah. yeah. So she, I too. stepped down as the executive director, and then my mom came over and was the executive director. So we decided to, well, Nancy decided, my mom decided not to take any of the the other contracts when it was. So you could run it the way that you wanted to. Now, with that said, can I ask you guys, any, I know I know you have a ton of success stories, but any stories that really stand out where you're like, wow, this is why I do this, that, you know, I helped this person and it was a difficult situation. Any that stand out to you guys as really amazing stories of someone you helped at flagship to get work? Well, yeah, we've had, we have many stories. Um, and one that I always tell people, I had a, a guy come from federal, he was in federal prison and, um, he was looking for a job. He was murder for hire. And no one would hire him because of that. And so I got him a job um, at the Denver Tech Center with a company at the Denver Tech Center. And this was some years ago. And he still works there. I love that. He still works there. And that is what our, you know, we always talk about. We want to change the, you can, you can always find someone a job. But there's people that come in our doors with so many barriers you know, life has happened and it's just beat them down. So they don't know which way to go. And so what we do is we're we're the chopping block. We break down, you know, we take one step at a time and we deal with the individual person. Not the the, the job they're not a number to us. They're not anything. They are the individual who comes in and needs our help. So um we deal with them on that level. So if we have someone who's been addicted to drugs or alcohol, then we deal with that first because we can find them a job 
all day long, but how successful will they be in a job with this problem? Good point. So we deal with the issues at hand. And then, you know, we might get them a job just to, you know, to take care of whatever it is that they need taken care of at that time. Yeah. yeah. But the bigger issue is your, your addiction. And you equip them. You mm-hmm. prepare them to uh, to keep that job. All right, so does your faith and that love come in, Nancy? Does that come into it? Is that part of the reason you wanted to run this the, the, you know, flagship the way you wanted to run it? Oh, yeah. In fact, I was sitting here wanting her to hurry up because part of it is that that's what sets us apart, I think, at flagship, too, is that we love people. I know and you we do. truly care. And it doesn't matter who it is who comes through that door and whatever their need is. If we can't help them, we'll find a way, uh, another resource. But if we can, we love on them first. And we, our, our, part of our mission statement is that we believe everyone has worth. And everyone does. And hey, if you want to come to our two church, to Denver Christian Bible Church, you can see Angela there, me, Nancy. We'll give out free hugs. We always give out free hugs at church, don't we? Or give us your website because you need volunteers. You need donations to keep flagship going and to help people get jobs, get work. Website, Angela? www.flagshiphelp.org flagshiphelp.org and these ladies love people I think it's so wonderful what you do and I believe in you guys thank Thank you thank you I loved hearing your story we'll be right back Love Lives 810 KLVZ One in six children in Colorado are living below the federal poverty line, and A Precious Child is here to help. They are a wonderful organization that is devoted to making a positive impact in the lives of disadvantaged and displaced families in Colorado by improving their quality of life. Come on and partner with A Precious Child by volunteering your time or donating funds to assist the children of Colorado to succeed in life, school, and triumph in their future endeavors. They're also in need of donations of gently used clothing, computers, sporting equipment, and shoes. Discover how you can help at A Precious child.org I don't know about you but I love to shop and I love a good deal and my husband likes it when I get a good deal you have to know about ARC thrift stores on Saturdays most items are half off my friend Frances Owens who's the former first lady you may know also works for ARC and she and I kind of have a running competition yes we do now what are some of the good deals you've gotten recently well I just got a Dooney and Burke briefcase for $25 they run around three to four hundred dollars perfect condition. I saw an Armani bag in there recently. I didn't get that one, but that was an incredible deal. I did get the coach bag, brand new with the tag still on it. It was worth about $200. And I paid, uh, I think it was $20. Well, I just have to say thank you to the people that are donating these things. Oh my gosh. There are so many amazing pieces you can find. They've got 22 locations and your website is if they want to find a location. www.arcthrift.org. And all the money helps people with disabilities. So you spend money and it goes to a great cause. Yay! Well, if you want to attain your dreams and you want to reach your goals, Carrie Conley is the woman to do it. And we just had a great seminar. Boy, that was fun and we learned so much. We It was a life changer, was it not? It changed my life last year and once again this year. Very inspirational. It's such a reward for me, Angie, when I see people, not only when I work with them one-on-one or in my small mastermind groups, but when you've got 200 people in a room and you can see them, I can see all their faces when I say something or somebody else says something where you can just know that that hit them to the core and they made a huge shift in their life and that's what it's all about. Well you've really guided me in my career achieving some of the goals that you know I had in mind over the last year. You helped me write it all down. If people want to work with you in the future, how do they get in touch with you and how do they work with you on achieving their goals, Carrie? 
So the best way to reach me is just through my website, infinitenation.com. And what I do is run mastermind groups that I bring people into for the year and help them achieve their goals, build their business. InfiniteNation.com. Thanks, Carrie. Thank you. Hear about our victory in Jesus Christ. You are listening to 810 AM KLVZ, God's love in broadcasting. Welcome back to the good news. You've got dreams. You've got goals. You would love to achieve them. Carrie Conley with Infinite Nation. That's her area of expertise. She's had two successful careers. She made it to the top of her own, uh, uh, you know, a company and then thought, you know what? I'm actually going to help others do this. Carrie Conley, welcome to the show. Hi, Andy Austin. How are you today? I am great. You've helped me a lot because you had me really write things down. And I, I sent you a text the other day with something that I'd written down in less detail than you have us do with our vision. And it was from 15 years ago. And all those things had been achieved, including a national radio show. And it kind of freaked me out. I just put national show. I didn't know if it was going to be TV or radio. So how cool is that, huh? <laughs> well... I hear that kind of stuff all the time from people when they really take the time to put their vision in writing. I tell them that, you know, you may not know the how right now, but I promise you all sorts of crazy things are going to start happening. And they do. They do. And you mentioned to me um, that many people have kind of already given up on their New Year's resolution and that fear and lack of courage and not surrounding yourself with the right people, all of these have an impact on that. And I know there's a big, uh, you know, conference that we can all get involved with from our own homes that's free that's coming up. So let's kind of uh, work towards that topic. And we, we covered a little bit about courage last week. So let's dive back in. Yeah. Um, so I've been honored to be um, interviewed for a week-long virtual summit. Um, that is, there's information posted on my website about it, and the whole theme around it is being courageous so that you can have success in your life. And I love that because so many people give up on the small and the big things in their life just simply because they're flat-out scared. You can call it whatever you want to call it, but purely any and all the way back, it's always fear somewhere, Andy. And so... I feel, I feel like a lot of people at the beginning of the year start out thinking, okay, this is my year. I'm going to finally conquer all those big dreams I have. But you and I both know, and we joked about this last time, that by this point, you know, the, the, the parking lot of the gyms are now empty because people have given up. Um, and it takes some courage to hang in there because, you know, you have all sorts of crazy schedules going on and people that are asking you to stop, you know, pursuing something that looks crazy. So... So it's a lot of fear, and so I love this summit because it's all about finding your courage to be successful. I love that, too. And I think that um, we underestimate because, you know, you'll be surprised to hear this, but I'm a bit of a loner in terms of my schedule so, um, you know, packed full and I've got the kids and, you know, several radio shows and all and I get up at 3 a.m. So I don't get to socialize as much as I'd like to or meet up with people who can support me. But when I do get to be with you and some of the other people that are in your network of, you know, your group of people that are in your front row, as we put it, to support you, it makes all the difference in the world. It really re-energizes you to be around the right people to push you on towards your dreams, people who believe in you and give you ideas and brainstorm yeah. with you. And that is so crucial. And you brought up a couple of really important points that, number one, most people are not taking the time to socialize because our schedules are crazy. Um, so we have to, first of all, make an effort to do that. And the second thing is that, you know, you've heard me do this exercise many times with people, and it's very powerful, and talking about the front row of your life how if you're envisioning standing up on a theater and you're looking out into the chairs, you really only have about 10 seats in that front row. And unfortunately, most people have 
supportive people that they have filled that front row with so that when they do socialize, they're really not socializing with the right people. They're socializing with people that maybe are keeping them exactly where they are or worse yet, um, wanting to take them backwards in a negative way. And so you and I have learned that when we do take that precious time to surround ourselves that see our greatness um, and lift us up to that greatness so that we do feel filled up. You know, you don't need a lot of time to do that if you're with the right people. All right. Well, I want to I want to make sure because people are so busy that they know more about uh, the the conference that they can get involved with from the privacy of their own homes. Right. So just go to my website. We're posting the information today about that virtual event, and I will start posting post, posting more information as it comes closer. It's the middle part of March, so I will make sure that information gets out. Excellent. And Carrie, give us your website again. InfiniteNation.com. InfiniteNation.com. And thanks for helping people's dreams come true. I was so touched at your event uh, when so many people started to cry talking about how you'd help them break through those barriers and achieve their goals. I know that means a lot to you. It's everything. You know, if you can touch people in that way, it's everything. I know. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks for listening to The Good News, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com.